Hello and welcome to Stirring the Pot podcast, a podcast all about discussing controversial food subjects, historical aspects of food, and pretty much everything else cooking and food related. Once again, let me introduce my co-hosts. First up, we have Mr. Barbecue Brand, an aficionado of all things barbecue and a recently featured guest on Food Network's Barbecue USA. Welcome, Barbecue Brand. What it is, yo. <laughs> One and oh, let's go. <laughs> Second up, we have Mr. Brandon D, a connoisseur of Louisiana and Southern cuisine and a self-proclaimed food science nerd. Welcome, Brandon D. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. Uh, let's get this rolling. We got a lot to cover tonight. I am your host, KCP. I'm a baking and cooking enthusiast and a lover of all Southern culture, history, and cuisine. I'm going to open the floor, and I'm going to ask, how are y'all doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing really good, actually. Brandon D., <laughs> what you sipping on tonight? All right. Well, tonight we have Brandon's Whiskey of the Week. We have Doll Winnie's Distiller's Edition. This is a fantastic whiskey from the great place of Scotland, so I advise everybody to try a bottle. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> what you sipping on, B.? You know, I have a little, um, I got it poured up in my in my glass, but uh, I have some Paul Anner out of out of Munich. Some of the best beer in the world, right here. I, I Germans do it great, you know. Yeah, I can agree with that. I I like beer too, but tonight I'm doing a truly, so gotta keep it uh, light, tight, and bright. <laughs> get 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 it how you live. Yeah, exactly. Try to do tonight's topic is all about frying from chicken to turtles. We want to dive into this method of cooking that is loved in pretty much every culture. To kick things off, let's first start with the most important part of this method, your frying vessel. Yeah, real important. I am a big fan of electric fryers. That's, uh, I think you get a lot, you get great temperature control, you'll never overheat it. It makes things really easy, especially if you're doing small, smaller things like seafood. Uh, you have to get a bigger fry for doing chicken, but uh, the smaller ones do really well. They keep the oil nice and hot and keep it at a stable temperature, and they don't really run off too much. So I, I'm really a big fan of them. There's two types that you can use. There's one that you call like a coiling basket, and then the other electrifier is like a fry daddy where it actually heats the pot up. Now, the difference with this one is, is uh, the coiling basket fryers, you can uh, – you can only use liquid oil in those. You can only use like peanut oil or uh, canola oil or vegetable oil, avocado oil. But the Fry Daddy does give you the advantage of using uh, saturated fat like a bacon grease, uh, lard, or beef tallow. That's that's interesting. I, I'm more familiar with the coil and basket. Right. That's I what actually... I that's what I use too. Okay. Can you explain a little bit how the other one works? Because I don't think well, I've used a Fry Daddy before. <laughs> the Fry Daddy has, it's got the same thing. It's got a temperature control, but it heats the pot up from the bottom. So there's no coil for the fat to get stuck in. So that's the advantage. You can use like a, you can use a, a solid, a solid fat at room temperature and not have a huge mess to clean up. Oh, so that's that, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, if if you want to give like a but you, there there's ways to cheat around it too. So if you want to give like a little bit of bacon uh, bacon grease flavor to your fried foods, if you mix bacon grease inside of uh, like a liquid oil like peanut oil, it will flavor it a little bit and it won't it will also won't turn solid. 
So if you have a coil and basket, you can use a little bit of bacon grease to keep it, uh, give it some flavor while also not turning it into a solid mess. Who don't like bacon? Yeah, exactly. Terrorists. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, I like, I like using my coil and basket. Mm. Um, it does. It just, it keeps very consistent temperatures and that's what you're trying to do, especially since I have a, an electric stove and I don't have gas, which is, a whole nother situation within itself, <laughs> you know, keeping that temperature consistent is, is key to frying. That is that like is very, very key. Step number one. And it's one of the most important things is you got to keep consistent temperature. So, you know, being able to kind of set that dial, it's sort of like the equivalent of a, a pellet smoker in, in you know, right. cooking barbecue. Right. It, it, it really gives you an advantage to, you know, cook consistent food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Right. And also, you can also fry on the the stove top using a, a heavy bottom, a heavy pot, uh, like an enamel cast iron is perfect for frying. A cast iron is great for frying too. Uh, you do want to use a either an infrared thermometer or a uh, a temperature sensor to a te- thermometer to keep your uh, to keep your oil in the right range because you can easily overrun overrun the temperature on your oil if you just keep dumping heat into it. So you want to make sure that you're monitoring your temperature of your fry very carefully because if you get it too hot there's a it's smoke then fire and then then trouble so yeah exactly and and that that's a that's a good point too because if you've seen our previous episodes we talk about uh cast iron and how it you know conducts heat very well and it it stays hot so if you overshoot that temperature when you're frying you're going to have a whole lot of trouble it's going to take forever to get that that oil back down to where you need it to be right so so the advice for uh frying is uh, always have a lid to your pot. So if you get into trouble where it catches on fire, you can smother it. So your process would be, if you say you catch oil on fire, you cover it, turn off the heat and let it sit for a few hours and then open it up and it should be fine. So you definitely don't want to overheat your oil, but always make sure you have a cover when you're frying. So you can, if you do have a problem with uh, fire, you can just cover it and snuff it out like that. Brum, 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 brum. The safety <laughs> word of the day. There you go, safety moment. Because you never, you never, you never want to, uh, you never want to try to take out something on fire outside. It's the most dangerous thing you can no, do. Just cover I've, it. I've known two people that have gotten hurt like that, so just don't do it. Yeah. No. No. You know, it's not always easy for people to fry outside, but that that is a better better idea to fry outside. That way, you don't stink up your house. Exactly. So yes, <laughs> it's also a good idea. That- that's actually another really good uh, benefit of having one of those fry daddies or a calling basket is yep. you have a lid to it a lot of times. Right. So absolutely. Mine has a little filter on it. It doesn't work flawlessly, but it works a little bit. So, you, you, you know, at least your bedroom won't be smelling like, like fried McDonald's. chicken. <laughs> why, am I smell, why am I pillow smell like Popeye's? <laughs> That that fried food smell can really linger. I mean, it's 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 it sticks around. <laughs> yeah, for a while too. Usually yeah. all day until the next morning. Mm-hmm. It works. It helps if you have a a, a, vent, a proper vent hood too. So, fortunately for us, for us at our house, we have a vent hood goes straight to the outside. So, turn it on high, and it it really it did really does solve a lot of problems with the smell. I did hear that like when you're done frying. If you fry an apple in mm-hmm. your grease, that it helps with the smell. I, I I don't know. I haven't tested that theory. At least I don't remember testing that theory, but that's what I hear works. 
I have not my tested mom. this theory, but I've heard that as well. Yeah. My mom does it. It, it does work. I just, oh. I just, I just forget. I don't really care for Apple, so I never have one. So that's Shout my excuse. <laughs> like no that, apples, green, you know, Granny Smith. I'm not, I'm not an apple. I'm not Finch. a raw apple fan. I just don't, I just don't really eat a lot of apples. I just prefer other foods. If I'm buying fruits. I'll buy pears or peaches, but just not apples. Just not my thing. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, there you go. Know a little bit about me. Brandon and apples, eh, they're right. When they're cooked, when they're cooked, I love them. Like apple pie, any apple flavor things, love it. But just a raw apple is not my favorite fruit. Well, on to uh, the next little subset of this. What what oils work best for each cooking vessel? Before we cover that, I wanted to go over the physics of frying, what's actually happening oh. when you fry. So frying is actually a dry cooking method. Since there's no water involved in cooking it, it's a dry cooking method. So what happens is when you put food into oil, the oil heats up the water inside of the food and causes it to steam. And it's basically steaming the fruit from the inside out. Now, that steam is also what pushes the oil outside of the, outside of the food. So it keeps the oil from penetrating too deeply into the food. So that's why if you fry with cold oil, the oil will actually saturate into the food and you end up with greasy food. Right. So that's oh, why frying bubbling. the prop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, like. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's been to a restaurant where they had a cold running a cold fryer, and it just is not good for anybody. So it really, really gives you really upset stomachs. That's why it's really important to maintain the temperature, and that's why you know when your food's done when it stops bubbling. If it's not bubbling in the fryer anymore, you're you're killing it. So that oil is going straight into the food. <laughs> Don't let it in the pot; it'll be bubbling in your belly. <laughs> yeah, it most certainly will. Yeah. You don't want that. No. <laughs> so, and also, if you fry too hot, you end up with something that's overdone on the outside in ice Underdone. cold in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah so terrible. That's why, why I suggest having the uh, the electric fryer. It really makes things a lot, lot easier. They're not that expensive. I think I I accidentally killed my last one, so I bought another one for like I think thirty bucks. It wasn't very much, and it works great. Yeah, if you take care of them, you can keep them for a while. I've had that mm -hmm. same fryer that I have in there. I don't even know the name of it. It might be an Oster or is that how you pronounce that? Oster? I think so. Yeah, yeah the, I... the one with the O. Oh, Y'all know what I'm talking about. I've had that for probably about 12 <laughs> years and I've lost the cord. I bought a new cord for it. It just it still works. You know, yeah, it's special. My, 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 I killed mine. That was my own fault. I plugged it in before putting the oil in and that oh. was it. Game oh. over. <laughs> hey, but I got a bigger one, so I'm better. I'm better off now. There we go. So, the what oils work best for each type of cooking vessel? Well, I mean, like I'd say, I mean, you're always gonna like I say the my favorite oil for frying is probably peanut. I would use avocado, but that's pretty expensive. Peanut oil is about twelve dollars a gallon. Avocado oil is like. Twenty-seven, thirty dollars a gallon. So that's not happening. So, so yeah. peanut oil is 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 probably my favorite oil for frying. Uh, also, what canola is, oil works. Uh, vegetable oil works as well. The solid fats like lard or tallow, beef tallow or bacon grease. Uh, those work best in pots. Like if you're frying in a pot or you're frying in like one of those fry daddy type fryers. I, I love frying with peanut oil. So my thing is, is that peanut oil is going to be a little bit more expensive than vegetable oil. Yeah. If I decide that I want to fry something, I'm usually frying a good bit of things. So I, I always spring for the better quality oil and I like peanut oil. So 
most of the time when point. I'm from, yeah, it's higher smoke point. I, I just feel like it, your food comes out better in it. So I always end up buying peanut oil if I'm frying something. Mm-hmm. It's my preferred oil. Peanut oil is, is I got a high smoke point. You're not going to overheat it and cause it to go bad. So peanut oil is always, always a good choice. So, so I have a crazy question. Do you think someone has tried to cook to fry with Crisco? Oh, most definitely. People have definitely fried with Crisco. <laughs> Man, Chris, yeah. Chris, Crisco was like a, y'all forget, Crisco is like a miracle product. You know, it's like, oh, it's not lard. It's better for you. But yeah, is it really? It's kind of like, you know, like, it's, like a, it's, it's a weird thing. It really is. It's, it's a few molecules short of plastic. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That sounds Mm-mm. really healthy. Yeah. No, but yeah, Crisco, you can definitely fry with Crisco. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think there's any real fry advantage. What? Your chicken food? people, chicken people fry chicken with Crisco. Fry your uh, stomach. That's well, actually that's pretty. Like, common. That's like a shallow vessel, you know, like a yeah. Like a no, no, that, that's, pot. that's not like a deep fat fry. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we, yeah. Tub. Are mm-hmm. we talk, yeah. If you're talking deep, deep frying, I mean, if you pan fry, my mom's mom, my grandmother could do that shallow chicken fry, and I don't understand it because basically what you do is you you have to. Fry the chicken, turn it over, and then you have to cover it, which is weird. So, uh, so I was like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't get this one. So I've never tried it, but yeah. that's yeah, a, that's I... a, it's, it's a slightly different technique than a deep fry. Right. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a pan fry. You use like an inch or an inch and a half of oil rather mm-hmm. than like you know a submersion. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue into our part two. We're going to start talking about the proteins that we want to fry, and we're going to jump off and. Talk about chicken, and I'm going to give the Florida barbecue brand because I think he's the best at this out of all of us. Frying that chicken. That yard bird. <laughs> what? I got the perfect way to fry chicken for everybody out there in the podcast world. Take us to church. Let me tell you how to do it, right? So you actually have to talk about timing as well. Unlike other things that you cook, where time isn't super important for frying, a lot of times it is. When you have your mm-hmm. temperature where it needs to be, it's like clockwork. If you're frying chicken wings, seven minutes, take them out. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're frying chicken thighs, hashtag thighs, <laughs> you know, you're going to need 12 to 15 minutes in right. that range. And your chicken is going to tell you when it's done. It's going to start to float up a little bit. It's, it's going to have the right color. If you're frying at that 350 range, let's talk about how you start frying chicken. The first thing is we're going to talk about wings. Let's just use that as an example. My personal favorite. Absolutely. Who don't like wings? True. So you take your wings. What you want to do is you want to create a wet batter first. This is how I fry it. All right. And this is a great way to do this. You create a wet batter by taking flour and mixing cold water. I'm talking, if you're from the South, you know what I'm about to say right here. Cold, cold, cold water. It's gotta be cold. Three times cold. Three times cold. Not two times, not one time, <laughs> three times cold. Cold water with some ice in that mixture, right? So you you mix your water in your flour and you create almost like a pancake batter consistency. You want it to be almost like a tempura batter. I usually throw just a little bit of sugar in there, just a hint. Just a little whisper of sugar. I like a little quick, sugar in there. Quick question. Uh, do, do, you, mm-hmm. do you season your chicken before you, you uh, batter it? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's no follow-up to that. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> season your chicken. Now, what's your preferred method? Do you do you brine it, or do you just just see it? Just do a, a just season it like you would do like regular. Or? I, I always I fry my chicken properly, so I don't really feel like I need to brine my chicken before I fry it. Mm. Um, I'm not I'm not really gonna be cooking it for a long period of time to where I'm driving water out that mm-hmm. that much. So I can I can fry my chicken wings now if I'm frying thighs or legs or you know or you know full pieces of chicken bigger pieces of chicken then yeah i might do a little brine um overnight marinated something like that if i want to incorporate a little bit more flavor into it you know that kind of thing but yes i do season my chicken ahead of time but right now we're just making the batter we're just making mm-hmm. the batter right so you take your flour let's say a cup of flour right you start mixing your water in slowly making sure that you're getting that consistency that you want. You want it to be like a pancake batter, nice and thick. T-H-I-C-C-C, Casey. C-C-C-C. That's right. three C's. That's right. Hashtag thick C-C-C-C-C. Cool, 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 and thick, thick, thick. Make sure that batter is cold, right? So once you got your batter, you got your seasoned chicken, now you can go ahead and throw your chicken in that batter. Let it sit in that batter in the refrigerator for a good 20 20 minutes or so right just let it stay cold then take your chicken out of the refrigerator we're talking about wings right take them out of the refrigerator pull them out of that wet batter let it drip a little bit you know just kind of you know how you take it out there and just kind of uh yeah a little razzle dazzle a little shimmy and then you dredge that into your dry flour that is also seasoned put it in that dry flour right make sure it's all nice and coated Get that little excess flour off, put them in a pan or or something like that, back in the refrigerator. Let them chill out for about 15 minutes. This whole time you're getting your, you're getting your oil hot, right? You're getting your oil to about 350. That's where you want it. You don't want it any higher than about 360, but I, I, would, I would keep it around that 350 mark. Drop them in your fryer, cook those wings for about seven minutes, or shall I say cook those wings for exactly seven minutes, pull them out, good to go. Dang. Right. Yeah, and for real. I've had these chicken wings and they are fantastic. He's they for real. Really, it's really legit. Good. Legit. And here's what that does. Because I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I don't like my chicken battered. The reason that you don't like your chicken battered is because most of the time when you eat battered chicken, that crunch is just a little bit too much. It's too, mm-hmm. it's too heavy. It's too thick. It's just, it's hard to get through to get to your meat. Doing it this way, it keeps that batter light. It keeps it almost a little airy, flaky. It's not heavy in your mouth whatsoever. You can have a battered chicken and it's nice and crunchy and battered well without it being overly crunchy. That's the way to do it. Dang. Now, I've, I've had those wings unlike your lobster thermidor, which I've never had. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw that know. out there. <laughs> I don't know about that lobster. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Never, never have it. So I, I don't know mm. if it's good or not. When, when, when stirring the pot, start stirring some pots together. We're gonna, we're gonna make that happen. We need y'all to, to to subscribe. We need more subscribers. We want to have at least fifty subscribers by Christmas time, so we can possibly have a live stirring the pot podcast. So right. subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hit it right yeah. now. I, like, subscribe, <laughs> share, comment. Comment. There you go. <laughs> so uh, you bring up a good point about time with frying. Frying is all about time. It, it, it's a time. It's a time thing. You know, uh, in other cooking uh, methods, other thing you cook, 
Time's more like your guide. You know, you know it's going to be between this hour and this hour. More like more like time sets up like your checkpoints when you're like barbecuing. You know, in this span of time, I need to check it. It's not going to say, hey, I'm done after it's just been smoking for eight hours. No, you're going to have to check your temperature. You're going to have to check the feel of it. That's right. Frying is frying is not like that. Frying is is, is really a time time sensitive uh, cooking method. So, you know, you, you got your oil hot, your oil's in range. You drop it, you time it, and it should it should come out every pretty much right. The only thing I would say is if, if you get something that's abnormally large or abnormally small. So say if you have like mm-hmm. really small chicken rings or really big chicken wings, then maybe it'll take slightly less time. But, you know, unless these things are gigantic, like you say, they should take about what you recommend, which I believe you could seven minutes should be that should be perfect. Oh yeah, you hit you you get one of those Tyson family packs, you know. You're going to have some that are a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger, but you know, it, they're all going to cook right around the same amount of time. But like like Brandon said, if if you get something that's the rock Vin Diesel type looking chicken, you might need to cook <laughs> them, them things to eight, them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Them country birds. <laughs> the yeah, ones them big old you know they won the juice. That's what I just say you right. just look at them as like some Barry Bonds chicken. They had, it's, it's, it's had a little bit of the clear. So. It was on some of the anabolics. Yeah, right. some, something like that. So, <laughs> so barbecue brand. What do you use to season your chicken? Oh, you know what I I use whatever I have on hand. To be honest with you, I'm I'm not real. I'm not a, a stickler on seasoning my chicken with the same exact thing. It's usually what I have on hand. I will use, I have to have some, something that's a little salty. I like, I like using a little bit more of a salty uh, seasoning whenever I'm seasoning chicken and because I'm seasoning the flour, I'm, I'm doing all of these things and, you know, a good Cajun seasoning is good. I like mm-hmm. adding in, you know, like I said, I add in a little bit of sugar. It's not like a ton. I don't add like a, a fourth cup of sugar or nothing. I just add, you know, a little pinch or something, just give it a little. You know, a little something, oh, a little razzle dazzle. Helps it brown, yeah. It helps it yeah. brown too. Yeah, gives you a little more exactly. color. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, right, it does. And then I like, you know, I like adding some some herbs in there too. I love sage. I love sage on chicken whenever I'm mm-hmm. frying. I like just kind of whatever rosemary. I, I'm a I'm a rosemary fan, so you know whatever herbs I can kind of put my hands on is kind of whatever I'm feeling at the time. Yeah, those like rosemary, rosemary and sage really work well with really rich dishes. So you know, adding that to fried chicken just makes a lot of sense. With fried chicken, I think an open option. You can do anything. You, it does need to be a little bit salty though. That it, it does take quite a bit of salt to season fried chicken. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I'm gonna say this. This is a grown you know person podcast, but I've said this before, and this is absolutely true. Chicken is the slut of proteins. Just it takes it all. There's not really much you can't do to chicken. Oh my! Wow, are we gonna call you frying some chicken thoughts? How's it going? How's it going? Hashtag chicken thoughts. Chicken thoughts. Well, I'll, I'll drink the that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a that's a real good point though. Chicken chicken can absorb any 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 season, and I mean like a lot of chicken that's not on people's radar is like Korean fried chicken, delicious. Oh Japanese fried chicken also delicious too. Delicious, yes, absolutely delicious. I love I love Korean fried chicken, man. That's a that's a that's an awesome awesome. You know, it 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 can be a little hot though. I have to say, I've I've yes. struggled with it sometimes, but. I've tried the mild yes. flavors and they just don't hit hit that spot. 
Big facts. <laughs> and those and those Korean chicken wings that we've had, like they them them antibiotic ones, like they some uh, big, the antibiotic they, ones. Yeah, they. <laughs> They were big wings. This chicken was hitting the yard and was not skipping any sets. No. It was on the yard. No. It's like some it, prison build chicken. It was arm day every day for the parents. Uh, every, every day. That's why I did them little legs, little tiny legs. <laughs> they they skip leg day, but never never miss arm day. They were skipping leg day for sure. Oh man, we got a few places around here that. They, you know, they got some of them, some steroid chickens too. You already know. Oh yeah. You already yeah. know when you get them. That plate heavy, heavy. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's like when you bite into a chicken wing, and it, it's more than one bite to get to the bone. <laughs> like, yeah. God, dog. <laughs> That's some of them birds right there. <laughs> I love a good chicken wing, though. I, I, I'm, I don't really have a lot of experience frying chicken on the bone. I've done like cutlets, which is also a great way to do uh, fried chicken. You do a split breast. Pound that out a little bit, make it flat, season it up, and you know, uh, bread. You could do like Italian style, which is just flour at first, egg wash, breadcrumbs, fry, and those fry real quick. You're talking about probably only if they're real thin. Let's talking like a quarter of an inch. You're probably talking only about four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Ain't nothing yeah. wrong with so that. The, so that's also something to be important: is the leaner that the food is, and most of the things we fry are pretty lean the faster it's going to cook. So lean meats cook really fast in a fryer. We do an Oktoberfest thing every year and we make schnitzel and we pound out the mm. the pork tenderloin real thin. Oh. And we fry you know, I'm, I know I know I'm breaking, you know, schnitzel rules by deep frying it, but look, I gotta get this done quick. So you know that only ta- that only takes about three, three, four minutes to fry and it's done. As soon as as soon as that crust turns brown, golden brown, you take it out. It's it's finished. So good. Man. Yeah. If you've never oh, yeah. had schnitzel, it's uh, you need That's to. Amazing. Yes, you need to go closest you know German spot that you can find and, and go get some. Yeah, right. Yeah. For sure, or go to uh, don't they have them at Renaissance Festival? I think so. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think so. Probably. I mean, it's probably on a stick, but you know, probably. whatever. Hey, but you know, <laughs> schnitzel on a, a stick. That's yeah. just the easier way to carry it around. So I guess we'll jump into seafood, which I know Brandon D is a. Uh, Definitely the sh- the fried shrimp king around these parts. Yeah, and I look like like what the the trick with fried shrimp is just is just not to overcomplicate it. It's uh you know you want to use a really light batter. You don't want to use anything with any kind of real heavy texture. Like I'm gonna say this: do do not please please do not fry your shrimp in cornmeal ever. Oh. It, it, it's it's just not good. Uh, like the cornmeal crusted catfish has a place. I like that too. But uh, shrimp is not to be fried in cornmeal ever. You use no. corn flour and flour, or you could use uh, potato starch or something crazy like that. The Lord will not let you into the gates of heaven if you fry your <laughs> shrimp in cornmeal. I'm just going to tell you like no. that. No. And, and, and it coming from Louisiana, since I, I, I have crowned Louisiana folks the expert on frying shrimp. We do not use cornmeal. In, where I'm from, my family, we do not use cornmeal to fry a shrimp. We use corn flour. You can throw a little bit of corn. You could throw a little bit of flour in there, and also a little bit of uh, KCP's brother says you throw a little bit of self-rising flour in. It gives it a little crispier. And her brother can fry shrimp, and I trust his word on that. So I have not tried that yet, but a lot of people want to use like on shrimp. Let's start with shrimp. They'll want to use like an egg wash. 
it's not necessary. You just need, for what I use on mine, is I season my shrimp, the protein itself, you know, and I use a, a Cajun seasoning and I use a little bit of lemon pepper too. And that gives it just a little bit of city, a little bit of brightness to it. And then I use just plain yellow mustard and a few dashes of hot sauce. Mix that all together, put it in my batter pro, flip it over, shake it up, and it's perfectly breaded. Now, when you fry seafood, other things like chicken, you might fry at 350. Typically, I fry seafood at 375 because once I add it to the oil, it's going to drop the temperature a little bit. But I want that oil to be hot because that shrimp is going to cook in about three minutes or less. Small shrimp, about two. Bigger shrimp, about three. So three minutes, once that crust is golden brown, it's done. Take it out. It's not going to help it leave it in there. And and that's pretty much it. So it's shrimp is shrimp is a great thing to fry. It's super easy, cooks super fast. Shrimp it takes on seasoning really well and uh it's it's just not complicated. Just don't use cornmeal. That's it. No cornmeal right. on shrimp. So do you season your shrimp pre batter? Yes. What do yes, you I do. use? Uh, I use typically use I use Cajun seasoning and a little bit of lemon pepper. That's that's what I use. I don't really use any herbs other than the herbs that come in the Cajun seasoning on shrimp. It's not really necessary. You want you know, like you want you don't want to complicate shrimp too much. It's got a real light, uh, delicate flavor, and sometimes herbs can kind of uh, overpower uh, the delicate flavor of shrimp. So you just want to use something simple: salt, pepper, garlic, uh, cayenne pepper, uh, black pepper. Uh, yeah, I already said pepper, but uh, salt, pepper, garlic, cayenne, that, that, that's it. I mean, a little bit of onion powder, a little bit of, and then just a binder and the hot sauce. The hot sauce gives it a little of that acid, gives it a little brightness, that lemon pepper. And that lemon pepper is what I really like. I add a little lemon, lemon pepper on my shrimp, and that gives it a little bit of extra pop in it. And the, the flour, since there's not a whole lot of corn flour, I use, I use Zatarain's the Wonderful Fish Fry, which is just corn flour. There's not a whole lot of batter that sticks to it. It's really not necessary to season it. Interesting. So you said something about a binder. Can you tell our viewers what exactly that is? Well, a binder is anything that you use to make the uh, to make the the batter stick to the protein. So in this case, our binder would be mustard, and it doesn't. And, and mustard and hot sauce are my two binders, and it doesn't really take a whole lot because shrimp is a, is is already a little bit sticky. Once you salt it and season it up, it's going to start to get a little sticky. You know, the salt reacts with the proteins in the shrimp, and then it, it's for it gets a sticky coating on it. So it's it's really not really that necessary. You could actually, I think I've actually done it without mustard, and it just came out fine too. It does work a little bit better with mustard, but it's it's kind of marginal the difference. If you have the time, and I see like I'm frying, I never have the time. If you batter your shrimp and then refrigerate it, that really helps the batter stick really really well to the shrimp. So if you if you can refrigerate it for like say like 15 minutes. That'll help the batter really stick to your shrimp and you'll get a nice, nice crust on it. But we don't want too much batter on shrimp. We want just enough, just a little bit to give you some texture and crunch, but not really enough to where you're like biting through. Like you don't want anything like that's like a, like a shell around the shrimp. It just needs to stick to the shrimp. Yeah. So you don't want anything. You want, you want actually some space in between that batter. If there's parts of the shrimp that are not breaded, that's perfectly fine. It'll give you a, it gives you a nice texture to it. Shrimp are just really good when you just treat it nice. You know, you don't have to, yeah. you don't have to do a whole lot of things to it, but you said it again, making sure you put it in the, in the, if you, if you're frying anything, if you have the time after you batter it to just put it in the refrigerator for a little while, let it chill out, let that batter adhere to your protein mm. and you fry it, you're going to notice a difference in your food and the batter sticking. 
that, you know, that, yes. that batter sticking to your protein, you're also going to notice a difference in your oil. You're going to notice that not a lot of things are falling off in your oil. Right, right. And your oil is going to be damn near clean whenever yep. you finish mm-hmm. frying, even batches of things. So, you know, just taking a little bit of care in the beginning will help you uh, in the long run in a better product than the end. What about other other seafood options like oh, fish? Is, is it, yeah, crawfish. fish. Now we'll we'll go with like fish. Let's start with fish. So fish is fish is a great thing to fry. There's certain now what you want to fry is a really light fish, a, a white fish, white meat fish. You don't want to fry anything like salmon or anything that's real oily because it just it just doesn't it just doesn't work well. So you want to fry a nice lean white fish. Everybody talks about catfish. Uh, Pretty much for catfish, I use the same method that I use on shrimp that I use on catfish. So except, I just use it. What? Except what is one thing that you can use on catfish that you should never cornmeal. Use on shrimp. You can use cornmeal on catfish, but I will warn you: if you overcook it even a little bit, you are going to drastically degrade your product. You could be turned around it's, at the gates of heaven again. It is not. You have to be your oil when you're when you exactly. <laughs> So uh, Saint Saint Peter is gonna lock your ass out. So this is so, oh, oh no, Bobo, you got to turn around. Yeah, uh, you, you overcooked that cornmeal. You did that? No, man, come on, bro. You almost had. You almost got in here, bro. You almost so, got so, in. Yeah. So if you are doing cornmeal catfish, you have to pay real close attention to your temperature, and you might want to. I wouldn't do it at three seventy five. I'd do it at three fifty. Since I use corn flour, I do mine at 375, and it's just the same process. I season the protein, I put the mustard uh, the mustard and hot sauce as the binder, and then I dip it in the cornmeal, and I just give it a quick fry. Once again, the fish is going to fry real quick. I like to cut my fish in pieces. I don't like to fry whole pieces of fish, you know, because eh, just, I feel like when, when we're serving people, people want a little bit of fish. They might not want like a whole filet. So I'll cut it. I'll cut the fillet up and then fry those up. You know, you, you, it's, it's a real quick process. It's once again, it's a three, it's a three to four minute fry. It's not very long at all. I I will yeah. give a tip on something. If you are frying something that takes longer than you know three, four, five minute thighs or breast or something, you know, I don't know why people mm. would fry chicken breast, but anyway, you know what I mean. Not unless you um, split them and pound them and make cutlets. Yeah, no, that's the best yeah. way. To like you probably, yeah, you probably get that at Popeyes, but don't do that at home. Nobody wants that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so if you frying something that takes longer, if you frying something that takes fifteen minutes, here is a key oh. tip: do not when you drop your, let's say you get your your temperature of your oil to about let's say three sixty, right? You drop your chicken in. Your chicken is what cold. Cold. What is that going to do to your oil? It's going to drop Bring the temperature down. of your oil, right? right. Mm-hmm. Do not touch your oil temperature. Don't try to, it's going to, your oil is going to drop down to probably about 340. That is absolutely okay. It's going to slowly climb up in those next 15 minutes. Do not try to increase your temperature to get that that oil, that temperature of your oil back above 350 too fast. Because what that's going to do is it's going to fry the outside of your food really fast and it's going to get really dark and the inside of your food is not going to be done. Let your temperature of your oil come back up organically. Don't force it up. Mm-hmm. That right. way it'll allow you to cook that full 15 minutes and your food will cook properly and it'll look right. That yeah. is a great tip. And a and lot of people it, make that mistake. Mm-hmm. Right. And as you start as you start cooking the chicken and water is leaving the chicken, the steam's coming out and bubbling, that chicken is going to start to start heating up a lot. Because once you start driving more water off, 
So at the end of your fry, your chicken is going to cook much quicker in the last few minutes of frying versus the first minutes of frying. So your temperature in your chicken is really going to start to climb. So and I, yeah. that's the only thing I've struggled with chicken. I mean, you know, it's like it's dark on the outside, but the inside is not quite where I want it. So there's a few I things mean, that'll I, make your chicken darker too. Like a lot of people will they'll marinate in buttermilk overnight. Mm -hmm. Buttermilk will 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 darken your chicken a lot. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Paprika too. A lot of paprika in your uh, in your flour it can also make it dark really really fast because paprika can paprika can burn pretty easily so that can make your chicken darker too so if you use a lot of paprika in your and i wouldn't use a lot of paprika in the bread in the in the breading that i think that would probably give you a darker color than you want mm -hmm. that would probably be something because i use a good bit of paprika when i'm you know frying like if i'm frying chicken wings it's only in there for seven minutes like i said right right you know that's fine but if you got something in there a little bit longer then yeah it's gonna darken it up and then you know, you... I, I think I, I think with uh, like, that's probably more of an issue with like chicken thighs or uh, or drumsticks. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about like your not your typical proteins. Let's like let's say ribs. You know, here we are. We we have some leftover ribs from a from barbecue <laughs> brands competition. What what are we gonna do with that? Oh, uh, let me tell you. Try that beef? Let me tell you what to do with that now. All right. <laughs> All right. So um, there's a really, really short video on my TikTok of me frying some ribs that I had cooked the previous day. So there's two ways to do fried ribs. A, a lot of places that you go, you'll find fried ribs where they're just basically dropping their ribs into into a fryer. You know, there's, there's no batter. There's no anything. I prefer my ribs cooked. It's, it's a process. I prefer them cooked, cooled and then battered and fried using the same batter and fry method that I was talking about a little earlier that I use for my chicken, because that batter mm. is just, it's, it's very versatile because it's such a light, really crispy, but it's light batter. So I will cook my ribs the day before or, you know, even the day of, and I will render that fat. Cause remember we were talking earlier, you don't really fry a lot of things that are super fatty. So no. um, I will render that fat down in my ribs and get them super tender get those ribs cook them down until they are super tender let them cool and then i will put them through my batter and fry process and i may sauce them afterwards if i want to and let me tell you you get a crispy bite through rib that is just ultra tender and you just don't need teeth for that <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. That's a good point. So, uh, for frying ribs, I've done fried ribs before. Now, I did. I didn't do a battered fried rib, but what I did do is I cooked the ribs before, cooked them till they're tender, cut them up. Uh, well, after after they refrigerated, cut uh, and then you after you refrigerate them, you want you want that collagen, you want that gelatin to cool down, and you want it to to return to shape. So mm -hmm. when after that, what I did was I just cut the ribs up, and then I did a flash fry. Now a flash fry is is different from a so I actually, I, we're talking hotter. I'm actually going, because I'm not cooking food. I'm just crisping just, the outside. Mm -hmm, so this is a flash mm -hmm. fry. So you can use more heat on the flash fry just to get the brown on the outside. So what you do is you just, all I did was just cut the ribs up. Uh, I think I might have microwaved them for a little bit just to knock the chill out of them. But then just dump them in and give them a flash fry. And then we we sauced them up. We made some sauces for them. So that's, an, that's another way to do it. Uh, so you can do ribs that way, but a flash fry is good for your protein that you have already taken to the point where it's cooked. Let's say you could even do this with a steak. This is a lot of people. Some people do this. You could you could reverse your steak 
and then you get a pan of oil super hot. But you have to have an oil that can take that smoke point like avocado oil. Mm-hmm. And you can get it to 450 degrees and then deep fry the steak and you'll get a nice brown crust on it too. So that's another way that's another way to do it. So flash frying is not the same as uh, you know, say like frying like seafood or chicken or something like that. Flash frying, you're just trying to brown the outside of the protein. So you use that on steaks, you can use it on ribs, you can use it on uh there you can even do like a two step a two step chicken wing. We'll say you bake the chicken wing to the doneness you want and then deep fry it to crisp the skin. That's another way to do that too. Mm-hmm. I've done that with um, you know, smoke frying. I've smoked fried yep, right. ribs. I've smoked fried chicken. The only thing with that is you got to be careful because that, that flash fry is probably the best way to, to do that. Just for the fact that if you have it in that oil for too long, it can mute your smoke flavor. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's a, that's a great method. That's a great point you brought up. Another t- not typical protein I know our Louisiana folks know about is the frog legs. No, frog legs. Ribbit. Frog legs yeah. are good. Ribbit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like frog legs. Frog legs are pretty easy to fry. The last time I did frog legs, I used an ever uh, the seasoning called Everglazes from Florida. Florida, so, uh, like South Florida near Everglades, the Everglades, Miami. They're really known for uh, frying frogs. So they have the seasoning called Everglades that I used on it. And I did it like the, the Florida style way. And it actually came out pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, frog legs are super lean, so they cook really fast. You're talking about probably about a five-minute fry, fry, it, depending on how big they are. Uh, the last frog legs I got, some of these things looked like they, were real, they weren't skipping leg day. They, they <laughs> Unlike those chickens. They were CCC. They were some Kardashian butts on them things. Tick, tick. But, uh. Yeah, frog, frog, is, frog's really frog's pretty good. It's it's a very new. It does not have any weird taste. It is extremely neutral flavor, uh, flavored protein. Doesn't have. It's got an interesting texture. It's not quite like chicken, but it's not quite like fish. It's kind of like a cross between the two. I've never fried frog legs. I've had frog legs plenty of times, and I like it. You know, there's not really anything not to like. It's it's more if you don't like. Fried frog legs, I think it's more of a mental thing than anything. If you've had alligator, it tastes the same as frog. All- alligator and frog are mm-hmm. pretty close. Yep. It really Allig- is. Alligator. It's like yeah. muddy water chicken. That's what <laughs> yeah. it tastes like. <laughs> yeah. Alligator is great to fry, too. I will say if you do buy alligator, you have to make sure that you inspect alligator pretty well. Any part of it, you buy a pack of alligator meat, anything that's gray or weird looking, Cut it off, throw it in the trash. Alligator fat has to be one of the nastiest substances on earth. Mm. And you have to you have to make sure there is not in any fat on that alligator. You know, that's something that I have had a lot of, but I just don't have much experience cooking at all. Like any parts of an alligator at all. Just never have. But I like it. I like it a lot. It's, yeah. it's usually the tail. It's usually tail meat mm-hmm. that you get. Right. And uh yeah. Brandon uh cooked some one time and uh yeah he got real sick from his own cooking yeah it was just a bad it was just a bad piece it just wasn't it just it was wasn't bad. good yeah look this dude but, lost all the color in his face and i just moved out the way oh i was like go ahead yeah it was it wasn't good but hey look you, you live and you learn you know you see anything on alligators that looks the, the meat has to be snow white yeah. i mean just white don't 
don't cook anything that doesn't look like. I never cook alligator legs or anything like that, but I know most of the the fat, the the uh, I think it's the fat underneath the skin you want to trim off. So they really peel that off when they when they butcher it. So on the legs, but you don't want to have any alligator, any any fat on your alligator. It's just disgusting. I remember for the last couple of um, rodeos uh, in Houston, there's one team, and I can't think of who it is. It might be Pitmaker, to be honest with you, but um, Sounds they, right. they always cook a whole alligator uh, every mm-hmm. every year. It seems like, and uh, it's always <laughs> something to see. You know, have that right. thing ro- rotating on a rotisserie that open dis- grill that display. <laughs> there is a difference between a wild alligator and a farm raised alligator because of what they eat. Now, yeah. alligators. I don't know if many people alligators like to kill their food, they drown it, and then they stick it under the water and let it rot so they can break it apart. Mm-hmm. So Wild alligators eat rotten meat, and that's kind of the stuff that kind of stores in the fat. So it tastes, mm-hmm. the fat tastes really bad. The meat is perfectly fine, but you have to be really cautious when you trim it, get all the fat off of it. So, But commercial alligator is a little bit different. So they, they, they don't eat rotten stuff, so they feed them chicken or pork yeah. or whatever they give them. So. So let's move on to veggies, frying. Oh veggies. wait, I want to I, I want to bring up one point. Oh, oysters. Oh yeah. Same process as shrimp. Please, please, for the love of of sweet baby Jesus, do not put cornmeal on an oyster. That is just awful. Man, that is bad. I mean, it's it's you do not want a gritty texture with something that is delicate as an oyster. Oysters are real yeah. delicate flavors. It's got a real soft texture. And that cornmeal just kind of conflicts with it. Don't don't do it. Just there's there's better choice. Just corn flour or just flour or, or anything other than corn. <laughs> just don't do but, it. Don't do it. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, this, this, you, you is, you, there's just nothing. To, that we, don't put cornmeal on anything if it's not a hush puppy or or, or a cat or a catfish. Or, or catfish. A, right. a catfish is from the hood. You know, a catfish is very ratchet. <laughs> it can handle all of that grit. <laughs> Nothing else can. Dang. You never heard of no ratchet catfish before, but now I'm thinking about it. They bought it by us. I'm picturing Debo as a catfish just rolling on that bike. I have eaten a lot of catfish, though. I, I do love it. Yes. Okay, so with that being said, let's talk about the vegetables. I know my favorite. That okra. okra. Oh, okra is great fried. Okra mm. is awesome. Especially so... if it's fresh. Yeah. And it, the, a lot of restaurants you go to and it's just frozen fried okra. Hey, and that's pretty good. But it's I tell good. you, you have some fresh fried okra, man, it, it just it just hits a little different. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah, that's got to be my that's got to be my favorite. I mean, oh, absolutely. I, I've had other fried vegetables. You know, you go to. You know, even some Thai places and things, and they'll they'll fry mm-hmm. some vegetables in tempura batter, and it it's good. But it's just man, that southern fried okra is just you can't beat that. No, I, it's I, so I, good. I'll go out of the box and tell you another one of my favorite fried things is what you get in an Indian restaurant. Those fried vegetable fritters. Oh yeah, I can't hmm. remember what they're called, but those things are good too. So I don't know if yeah, I've had that. No, oh, yeah, man. That's, uh, next time you come to Houston, man, we got to go get Indian, man. That's right. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I can remember, you know, that was one of the great things about having a garden, you know, growing up. My my dad always had a great garden, and um, he would always fry, like, eggplant, zucchini, yellow squash, 
fried zucchini mm. is absolutely awesome. delicious. If you haven't had it, you should definitely try it. Um, of course, eggplant is pretty famous for being a fried item, but like, and of course, potatoes. But of course, <laughs> I love some fried sweet potatoes. Yeah, I will tell you right now, French fries are an episode all on their own. We will <laughs> yes. cover French fries, but that is that is way too in depth for, for for a show that's generally about frying. Potatoes yeah. will have their own their own yeah. French fries will have their own segment. Yes, and, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And and you can season those items, you know, pretty much the same as everything else. You know, like a light Cajun seasoning on your on your uh, your vegetables That's, before yeah. before you actually batter them, just right. so that you have different layers of seasoning throughout. You know, just in case you kind of mess up and your batter falls off a little bit, <laughs> you still. You guys still have some flavor under there. You know? <laughs> yeah. Real, yeah, just just to remember, vegetables are, are much lighter, so the less seasoning is going to take. So the heavier, heavier your protein, if we're going from heavy protein to like beef and lamb, all the way down to like something really light like fish, the salt is going to go. The amount of salt you need is going to go down with, as your protein gets lighter. So mm-hmm. heavier proteins take more salt. Lighter proteins take less salt. Vegetables take even less salt yes. than that, so you just want to be a little bit careful. But you know, it's it's pretty easy. Just said, you know, you could just you could just do salt and pepper and on like zucchini or squash, and it'd be fantastic. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Any other thoughts about vegetables? No, fry vegetables. Yep. It's a good thing. Yep. Uh, tempura frying is really popular yeah, that, for vegetables. That's yeah. really, it gets a nice crunchy, that crunch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, a nice light batter. I think tem- uh, tempura batter is made from rice flour, I believe, or something like that. Mm, I thought it was with like a, like, isn't it like a soda? Soda, like soda? S- soda and rice flour, I believe. It's a, light, it's a lighter starch. Yeah, like either you could it could be either yeah, rice like or potato soda to it or something. Something like, and it's got to be cold. It's got to be ice cold. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can always cover that on another episode. Yeah, look, look. <laughs> when I go to when I go to a sushi restaurant, I know how to order it. So that's right. Right. Yeah. Start. right. So, um, part four of this discussion, we're going to talk about frying your desserts. Oh. So, my absolute favorite, well, one of my favorite desserts of all time is that choro. Uh, the churro is awesome, man. I mean, you talk about fried desserts. This is this is getting deep. You talking churros, beignets, donuts, hand pies, mm. man? I mean, you, uh, you, you can't you can't pass it up. Or, you know, they're like irresistible. You know, if hey, they're uh, done right. What about those uh those fried egg rolls stuff? What? Oh, uh, so Ooh. yeah, so so I did uh, egg rolls, egg roll wrappers with apple pie filling in them. Oh, he gone. <laughs> what? What you did? <laughs> I took egg roll wrappers, and I made like I took some apple pie filling and kind of put some extra cinnamon. Just kind of gave it a little razzle mm-hmm. dazzle. Okay, I see know? what's going on here. Y'all talking? Y'all talking about things that that you can only talk about after dark is what's happening because <laughs> this is a whole this is a whole different subject right here. That sounds oh, it's, amazing. It's staring the pot. Stirring the pot after. I, I, I look. I'm just. I'm just gonna say this. I'm gonna say this out right now. Like fried desserts is fat boy shit. It really. Is. It is. 
You just can't help it, man. Like I'm making dessert, but it's fried. It's like, ooh, that's just <laughs> that's just that's just extra chunky boy right there. Hey, yeah. hey, it's gonna but be if, good too. Yeah. But the thing is, if that all hot, I mean, <laughs> we gotta do something with it. You know. <laughs> Look, just man. What else we gonna be frying here? Throw some. Just make sure you. That's right. Do not fry your egg roll stuff with uh, apple filling after you fry your shrimp. You no. don't want to change your oh. oil because that will be all up in there. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So that's no, that's no, another that. thing. Remember, if you're frying, the protein is generally going to flavor the oil. So if you're frying shrimp, that oil is going to taste like shrimp. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So yeah. take your dessert first. Eat dessert first. Right. I don't even, short. I don't even really like mixing my protein oil. Like if I'm frying mm. shrimp and then I might, no. I'm not going to no. use the same oil to fry some chicken. Oh, no, fry dude. Shrimp. No. No, no, it's it's it's, sea, it's seafood. If it's seafood fried, it's seafood fried. If it's if it's something else, like but you know chicken, what? No. You know what? There's some places that you can go to and eat <laughs> that they don't follow those rules and they don't give a no. damn. So they'll oh, fry no. everything in the same oil. You got to be aware right. of places like that because yeah. everything tastes the same. You'll get a seafood platter, or you'll right. get a you'll get a fried whatever platter, and everything right. on your plate tastes right. exactly like right. the last thing you just ate. I'm gonna say I'm a, this. I'm gonna say this, and only the only the people that be in the know gonna know what I'm talking about. You want fries or rice with that? Ooh, I know that place. <laughs> I know that place. Oh my! Hey, if y'all don't, oh if y'all don't know what she just said just now, I know that place. Right, right, right. Now, now, where oh, we're from? I know knows. Co watching this. Co knows, right? I know. Look, I must say there there are two places in Lafayette. They they they're competing. They're actually cousins, from what I heard. Mm. And there's one place, and there's one, and you can be loyal to one or the other, but you can't be loyal to both. Always order <laughs> there's the still shrimp. There's a family feud over, from what I heard. That's <laughs> that's probably just bullshit, but whatever. But Always they they the can shrimp. they can fry some food over Ooh, there. I mean, they Lord. they kill it. Lord have mercy. Uh, right. Exactly. But I want to say this also. Like, if you ever been to a place, let's say it's just a chicken dinner place, they don't serve any seafood, and you taste their fried chicken, and it tastes a little bit like fish. I can tell you what that is. That is broken canola oil, one hundred percent. If yes. you over if you overuse canola oil, you don't change it outright. It will develop a fishy flavor, and it's pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty bizarre, but it does. So that's why you have to be really careful with canola oil. Not if you use it, not to take it past its smoke point. If you take it past the smoke point, it's in the trash. It's done. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I want to circle back to. Uh, Mr. Barbecue Brand talking about those fried Oreos. How you do that, B? Oh, oh man. So what kind of batter you use for that? That H E B go. That H E B pancake batter I use for that. Oh, that was so good. And you know what happened? It was some fat boy shit, just like Brandon D said. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you can't you can't get around that. Oh, we just I'm gonna tell you. We just finished you eating. Went- we just finished eating, and I was like, you know what? We want something sweet. So we grabbed them Oreos. We grabbed some of that that pancake mix and threw it together. Mm-hmm. I will I will say that though, uh, yeah. When you take something pre made dessert and and fry it, so whether it be candy bars, peanut butter cups, Oreos, whatever, we actually did it. We actually did it at my friend's house where we deep fried uh, Girl Scout cookie Samoas. Oh. 
that's 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 fat boy. That's fat boy shit right there. That's that you taking it to the I, fat boy level. We, it's already I think we lost minutes of our lives after that dinner. Oh, you like, you, you could you could literally feel that thing killing you as you ate it. It was delicious, but it's like I died just a little bit inside. Oh, when I ate that. yeah. Like I say, these these things are gonna be good, but like you know, it 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 is fat boy shit when you're talking oh, yeah. about fried desserts. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And then you know, everybody loves donuts. Oh gosh, I mean donuts, like, don- donuts are amazing. And you know, here's a little fun fact: if you if you want to do some donuts, but you don't want to make some donuts, get you a can of Grand's biscuits. Punch a little hole out in the middle. That's your donut right there. Put that in some oil and fry it. I'm telling you right now, it's just as good. Mm. Now, I, I will say it now. I'll, I'll ask Brandon, everybody. Brandon, like, mm, you made a little glaze for that or something? You made a little glaze to put on that or what? I, I put some pot of sugar, boy. Oh, mm. Now, I will say. But I mean, uh, the possibilities are pretty much endless with, with canned biscuits. You can make pretty much anything with some canned biscuits. <laughs> I do love donuts, and one of the I have to plug this place because one of the best donuts I've ever had, the best donut shop I've ever been to, is the Holy Donut in Portland, Maine. And when I say those donuts slay, I mean like, man, these you taste mm-hmm. those things, and they're like, you're like, what kind of voodoo is this shit? It's true, and they're it made. is it is amazing. Wow. I mean, amazing. I mean, like just just the perfect donut. I and mean, they're like made it, out of potatoes. Potatoes. It's a potato donut. That's of right. Of all things, and they're very light. Yeah. The texture it, is wow. a, texture is amazing. I mean, and coming from Lafayette, Lafayette, Louisiana, a place where they make actually amazing donuts. A shout out to Meshes and Kellers. They make amazing donuts. The Holy Donut in Maine is the best donuts I've ever had. Absolutely. I think when you go to a place where they have absolutely mastered. The craft of making donuts. I mean, it's everything they make is perfect. It's delicious. That is incredible. Yes. I have a very special place for donuts in my heart. <laughs> Growing up as a little boy in in Franklin and Centerville, Louisiana, my mom worked three jobs to take care of all of us. I'm one of nine children and I'm the youngest. So my mom was working three jobs and one of her jobs was working at the donut shop. So every morning, you know, she would get up before I even got up, go to there, work, make the donuts for the day come back take us to school she always had those donuts for us and i was just like man ever since then i just love me a good donut just can't beat it i agree oh no there's, there's, there's a good donut has a has its own its own place man it's 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 tops but like yeah they, there's just there's just certain places where you go and you have a donut that where they just they just make it perfect mm-hmm. and it's just absolutely amazing and it's always a small mom and pop places never <clears> any big places you know Locally right. owned places just absolutely slay with donuts. Mm-hmm. Right. And if y'all didn't know Kellers of Lafayette and of Youngsville now, y'all didn't know they had donuts, y'all need to check that out. Because they are good. They so, completely so good. underrated. Yes. yes. They so have good. good stuff there, but try their donuts. You will not be disappointed. So with that being said, I'm going to read our little quote since I missed it last time. This comes from Samuel Chamberlain. The gentle art of gastronomy is a friendly one. It hurdles the language barrier, makes friends among civilized people, and warms the heart. So it's been great. This has been a great episode, guys. So until next time. Keep keep stirring the pot. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Bye, y'all. Like and subscribe. Yes. 
And let us know if you have any videos that you want us to do, like Brandon making lobster thermidor that I never had. <laughs> <laughs> or, or uh, you know, we'll do one for frying chicken and shrimp. I think that would be a great one, too. Oh, should there be one about pastrami? Mm. Ooh, that's for, that's Ooh. hardcore right there. Until next time, folks. <laughs> Peace. That being said, let's go. <laughs>